Okay, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Let's take a moment this morning to pray. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for the word now. We ask you to give us what's right and necessary for this time. May each person receive direction and instruction uh, for their lives to be helped in their walk with you. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts open and receptive in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And so we began a few weeks ago talking about this series, this subject, uh, No Other Gods. All right? And just as in their day they had temptation because of oftentimes the people around them to serve false gods even in their in their day it was literally they'd have these physical statues and things that they would worship and uh, they would treat as gods even though they really weren't any kind of god likewise in our day at least in our society there's not a whole lot of bowing down to the little figures uh, but there are other things and activities and um, interests that take a place in people's lives and they actually can become gods it actually is scripturally speaking idol worship And we want to avoid idol worship at all times because we know this, uh, as we saw in one of our previous uh, uh, teachings on this, that actually when a person worships any kind of idol, it's really demon worship. It is. Even though they would never, I mean at least Christians anyway, they wouldn't intentionally worship the devil, but sometimes in a matter of speaking behind the scenes, they're allowing things to take a priority and a, and a preeminent place in their hearts, and it is inspired from demonic sources. And so, devil worship is bad. Okay? <laughs> worship the Lord, that's good. And that's what we want to be involved with. And we need to understand how these things play out in our day. And I want to begin today talking about some specifics. And so I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, some specifics of how people are tempted and some of the areas that have actually become idol worship in people's lives. In, in, in the third chapter of Colossians, in verse number 5, the Word of God says this, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, now, understand your members, that's not church members, all right, I'm not supposed to be putting them to death, I'm just ticked off at that usher, and the Bible says, put to death the members, no, no, actually he's talking about your, (laughs) your literally physical human, the members of your body, but in specific, it's talking about what they do, your activity, your actions, put those to death. He said, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. 
Now, now notice, the, uh, notice the language here. First of all, Paul calls covetousness idolatry. You go back to the Ten Commandments, they each got their separate little command. Covetousness was one of those things. But Paul brings them together and says, in reality, when a person's covetous, that is idolatry in and of itself. But it's interesting to me to see the list that he puts it with. Because I think a lot of us would be quick to say, you know, you talk about, you know, fornication and uncleanness and, you know, a lot of sexual perversion. We think, ooh, you know, that's bad. That's wrong. Ooh, that's, we, no, we shouldn't be doing that. That is bad stuff. But we oftentimes don't take and have the same response and same approach to covetousness. When the Lord says they're friends, these things called fornication, uncleanness, evil desire, and covetousness. It's right there in the mix, right there in the list with the things that we are to cut off from our lives. Now think about if you were to uh, later tonight stop by a friend's house, uh, you know, a close friend, and you were out in town. You thought, I'm going to go visit my friend and see what they're doing for a while. And, uh, and you were, you know, maybe in the neighborhood or something. And so you went to your friend's house. And you saw, you know, the car was in the driveway, lights were on, you knew that you had to be home. And, but you went up to the door, and you knocked on the door and rang the doorbell, and he's not answering. And you, did, you waited for a few minutes, no one's answering. You thought, what in the world's going on? I know he's here. And you knew him well, so you didn't feel bad about going around back. You thought, I'm going to go around back and see, you know, maybe TVs were loud or something, and they can't, he just can't hear me. But on, on the way around, and you were going, and you started, look, you started looking in the window to see if you could see him in there. And you saw your friend, and you thought, what in the world? Because all around the house, he had all kinds of candles lit, and there was kind of a smoke in the air. You could, it smelled like incense or something. And, uh, and there was some weird kind of music coming out of there. And you saw him in there, and you saw he had this little gold statue right in the middle of the floor. And he was doing a little dance around it. And, and, and he, would, he would bow down to it. And, uh, and you thought, what in the world? You, I mean, w- wouldn't you be kind of concerned? <laughs> would you think, what in the world has he gotten himself into? He's worshiping an idol in there. I, why is he doing that? Right? And so you'd bang on the window and, and say, hey, you know, what is going on? Wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you try to interrupt him as a close friend? He's a believer. He's saved, but yet he's involved with this. You would try to say, talk him down from whatever has gotten into his brain. And, uh, you know, he, maybe he'll respond and say, oh, you know, it's nothing. You know, I'm, I mean, I still believe in, in the Lord, and I'll be at church next week. Don't worry about me. This is this is nothing. Uh, so then you would say, oh, okay, I see. I see. Yeah. Oh, it's just... This is not really, oh, okay, good. You're, you're good. All right, I'll see you later. You go ahead and do your thing. Is that what you'd say? Uh, would it be a little more serious? Would you think, man, you have fallen off the deep end here. You have gotten into some stuff. I don't know what this is, but you've got to knock this off. That would be pretty serious. And most of us would, would in reality, see it as, as a problem. But what if it didn't quite look like that? What if you went by your friend's house and maybe over a period of time, every time you went to see him, he was following his boat around with a cloth. Every time you went to to see him, all he could talk about was his golf game. 
That's the only subject. Or, uh, or, or, or working out, fitness, or, or uh, a, new, a, new, a new money deal he was about to get into and make some more money. And every time you talked, even when you ran into him at church, before church, he's telling you about this. You know, and uh, in between songs. <laughs> and after, after the service, that's, it's always the same subject. He's got some material thing on his brain, making money or, or enjoying this hobby or something. But it's all he ever talks about. Would you be just as alarmed? Would you stay back, step back and think, what in the world has he gotten into? This is a problem here. Would you try to talk him down and say, man, you are off the deep end here. There is a serious problem in your life. I'm telling you, most of the time, we would not think that way. We would just think, ah, uh, you know, that's just his interest. I mean, who am I to, who am I to judge? You know, that's just what, the way people are these days, and, and that's the way they... The Lord says that that type of heart and attitude is the same as idol worship. When a person allows material things to take too high of place till the point it even consumes their life, that's idol worship. And we think, oh, I would never do the little dance. I would never bow down to something. But yet you worship things. There are things that you possess and maybe activities you're involved with that are set right up there close to God or even above Him. And those things are a problem. And we should have a heavenly perspective of those type of events in our lives. Here's the word. I have a few isms to talk to you about. Here's the first one today. Materialism. Materialism. This is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. This is a tendency. Now, of course, when I bring up this subject, I want to lay the, fo- the foundation or remind you of the foundation of God's word concerning prosperity. Because people can easily get into ditches on either side of the road when it comes to finances and material things. And I spend more time dealing with the other side of this than I do with this. Even though when I analyze Scripture, this is a big, big subject. However, there's been so much abuse and bad teaching in the body of Christ over decades that I still feel like I have to counteract a poverty mentality that many people have been taught in church. That you're actually better off poor, that you know poverty is related to holiness in some fashion or some way. And that is just so unscriptural. Okay, and although I'm not going to be dealing with that subject today, let's just remind ourselves of this and then come back. God wants you to prosper. He is not opposed to the boat, the jet ski, the motorcycle, the vacation home, whatever it is that you have or desire to have. Not opposed to a 30-room mansion. You're not going to impress God or catch Him off guard. Wow, that's too big. His streets are paved with gold. Okay, no person on earth has too many material possessions where it's like the Lord says, you've got too much. No, nobody has too much. 
okay? And of course, we can spend time, and we will at other times, have in the past as well. We can start from Genesis and go to heaven, and you'll see God's an abundant God, and He wants you to prosper in all things, okay? Since we know that, and I realize some of you may have questions about that. That's just another subject for another day, all right? But with that foundation, we've got to watch out now that we don't go into the other extreme, to, we, to where we don't recognize the potential claws that are built in to riches. And there is the possibility, if a person doesn't have their heart in the right place, for those things to actually destroy them, even though they're meant for good and to be a blessing. Okay? And so uh, when it comes to uh, this issue of materialism, it's all about these things getting out of place having the wrong place in our hearts. I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. Again, God's not opposed to you being rich, but He is opposed to you being covetous. Absolutely opposed to you being covetous. And when material things become too important to a person, they are often then tempted to compromise their integrity uh, just so they can have more. Don't, don't we see that all the time? Don't, don't we see that in the headlines, people in government? And oftentimes, listen, it's people who have money already. They're not poor, but they're such a, a person without their heart in the right place can be tempted to always go after more and do it in an immoral way. You got people trying to sell Senate seats, right? You got pe- people not paying their taxes, right? These are all people that are in the news. There are, there are a lot of, there, there are today and have been in the past very, very wealthy people who live with bars in front of them. You know what I'm talking about? In jail, because what happened? Oftentimes doing things illegal financially. They've got a boatload of money, but there's something in them that makes them want to bend the system, break the rules to get a little bit more. Now, obvious, that's real clear to us that, yeah, people have crossed the line if they've gone that far. But when a person allows a covetous attitude or heart to be in them, materialistic, they will bend the rules. They'll be tempted to do what they otherwise wouldn't do to get more of some material or physical possession. And that's what we must watch out for. In the scripture here in 1 Kings 21, let's read verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near next to my house, and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it, or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. First of all, notice the integrity of Naboth. Of course, in their day, It was against the law of God 
for them to sell their property that came from their family. The Lord wanted it to stay within their family, within their tribe. And so really, you know, it, I mean, Naboth is in a tough, tough position there. Think about it. You're talking the king, not president. Kings had a lot more power, <laughs> a lot more authority they, to do what they wanted. And the king comes to you and says, I want to buy your, your vineyard. I want a garden. And I'll pay you for it or I'll give you a better one. And so that's quite a, a big deal to look at the king and say, no, <laughs> right? But he was a man of integrity following the will of God, the plan of God. And listen, there ought to be things that way in your life too. And not necessarily material things because that was special because it was the word of God that said don't sell it. But there ought to be some commitments in, our, in your life that you will never bend on, never break on, no matter who's asking or no matter how much money they'll give you. I imagine Naboth could have, you know, did a little wheeling and dealing here if he's really just interested in getting top dollar. I mean, he's talking to the king. King's got some ability, got some money, got some stuff. Uh, king could have set him up for life if he would have given his stuff, but he had his commitment to the Lord and following his word as a higher place. That needs to be true concerning all of us. Okay. Verse 4. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. I think I've met this person. They were a teenager though. <laughs> Anyway, poor King Ahab, he didn't get his vegetable garden. He's so sad. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money. Or else, if it pleases you, I'll give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. <laughs> then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And you know what she did? She did just that, didn't she? She actually set him up, put him in a, trapped him, set him up, lied about him, got him killed. And then went back to Ahab and say, here you go. You got the vineyard now. He's gone. You can have it. And then, of course, the prophet showed up. <laughs> you know, when we bring prophets in, it's usually a good day. <laughs> no, that wasn't what they were looking for then. But think about it. They actually, they actually took a man's life. Took a man's life for a vegetable garden. Do people ever do those kind of things today? Man, people, people get shot in the back alley for 10 bucks. People, why? What, what drives this? Money. But not money just all by itself, because how many know money independent of anything else? Is not, it's just neutral. It's just stuff to be used for good or evil, but people have a wrong heart, and they're going after stuff. And they actually kill people. People bend what they would normally do. They change their morals and their integrity. 
You know, maybe you've been tempted when filling out taxes. Leave this off. Leave this off. Just kind of bend the rules. And you've got to watch out. This, these, these things are dangerous. That's why it's written so many times. And we'll show you a few more. But it's dangerous. You know, people, they go to a store and they, they purchase something. They give them the incorrect change. And they give, them, they give you way too much back. You know, what's the temptation there? It's to keep it. And if you're a good, spirit-filled believer, you praise the Lord on the way out. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in my life. Right? But what is that? It's called covetousness. You're taking something that's not yours. Amen. If you know about it, you make it right. Sometimes people will do business deals where they clean someone's clock. I mean, someone gets taken to the cleaners because, you know, they didn't have all the information. And you make out like a bandit, literally. And uh, you come out and make a whole lot of money. Well, how does that sit with your heart? Not talking about legitimate business deals where you make a profit. That's supposed to be. But if someone's just getting robbed blind because, you know, you're being deceitful in some way about your business dealings, that ought not sit right with you. And what's happening is covetousness is getting in there. And all you see is I can make X number of dollars more by this deal instead of seeing that other person and seeing what they're losing out on. There really ought to be in our lives not one material thing that we would not be willing to give up just like that. There should be nothing in your possession that you have that if the Lord came to you and said, I want you to sell it or I want you to give it away, I want you to, you know, get rid of this in your life, that you wouldn't say, okay, Lord, I belong to you. That's your word. It's gone. I'll have it out of here tomorrow. I'll give it away as soon as I know where to, where to give it. There should be nothing in your possession, no material thing that is so important to you that you say, oh, no, I could never give that away. Oh, I mean, that's my baby. I've been, I've been driving that for a while now, and we're close. We spent time together. I could never give away my truck, or I could never... Well, that truck just became your God. It just by your response to the Lord, superseded him. Now you're no longer a Christian. You're a truckian. <laughs> You've given that truck a higher place in your heart than the Lord. I, I realize this is a little bit tough. This is a little bit challenging. But we need to keep material possessions in their proper place. If they're not, they do definitely will hinder you in your walk with God. It will not be the way it's supposed to be. We have to be willing at any time, at all times, to give up anything at the Lord's beck and call. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Don't cut corners. Don't bend your integrity for an extra few bucks or for an extra few million bucks. We never want to trade eternal things for temporary things. 
And I'm telling you, that happens every day. And this subject is so big in the Word of God. uh, And I'm only taking, I only plan to take this one message on it in this series. But I'm telling you, you could study and see there's a whole lot of scriptures that deal with this. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. All kinds of evil. Most of us have heard this scripture many times. And it's one of those things that often when I'm teaching and I'm teaching about God's blessing and favor, I refer to this scripture and basically to undo how it gets misread a lot. Because you know those who are opposed to God's blessing and, and provision in your life called prosperity. They will quote this verse, oftentimes misquote it and say, you know, money is the root of all evil. Ever heard that one? <laughs> money. Well, no, money's not the root of all evil. Money, again, is a neutral thing. It just depends on what you do with it. And so often when we read the scripture, we're focusing on that. That it doesn't say that. It says the love of money, but then we stop and don't really analyze the scripture for the intended purpose. And that is this. That is an amazing statement there. The love of money is a root of what? All kinds of evil. Think about that. Think about all the evil that exists in the world today. Why is it there? The love of money. That's, that is a powerful and very important statement that we must understand. He, he goes on to say, for which, for what? For the love of money. Some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Imagine that. A person leaves God for money, for stuff, for material possessions. Why would a person do that? happens all day long we need to understand the way flesh is flesh wants stuff any way it can get it and we as bible believing christians need to say okay i'll take the blessing of god but i'm not going to take it any way that i can get it there are guidelines and principles there are things that must govern my life you know sometimes people are uh, are going uh, looking at going to college and uh, thinking about careers, and it makes sense. Sometimes people are looking at careers and saying, well, what kind of uh, money is being paid for a certain career? And, uh, of course, if someone's getting ready to go to college or, you know, and determined with their, their career pathway and so forth, it makes sense to make sure when you get done, you can get a good job or get a job that pay, pays you well. Nothing wrong with that at all. Or if someone has a business opportunity and you get an opportunity to make a boatload of money. You say, well, what should I do with that? Take it. And, you know, be educated or whatever it takes to get a high-paying job. But here's what, what we must watch out for. If in my pursuit of more, more increase financial, financially and materially, if in that pathway I find all of a sudden I hardly ever read the Word, I'm hardly ever in church. My prayer life has gone down the tubes. My relationship with God has not increased but decreased. But yet, I'm richer than I was before. There's a problem there. You've traded your relationship with God 
for those material things. And that is not worth it. I'm telling you, that is the wrong path. If you stay with the Lord, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. It's all right to want to have stuff. So I really want that motorcycle. Fine. Give offerings. You know, give, sow seed, trust God for it. Just don't compromise your relationship with him for it. And at any time, even after you get it, even if you've been believing God for years, and you're, you got it. You, the cool wind is blowing through your hair. You've got the shades on, the leather pants, and <laughs> what do you call those chaps? And uh, you're cruising down the road thinking, oh, the Lord is good. Be ready because you must be willing at any point to get rid of it. The Lord wants to hold that place in your heart forever. And if he says, give it to Pastor Mark. (laughs) I'm kidding. Then give it to him. (laughs) I had some people after some of the other services going to each other. The Lord wants you to give me your this. (laughs) Uh, Messing around with people. But it's true that our heart cannot be too attached. Well, I have sentimental value towards that thing. (laughs) Well, you need to cut the sentimental value off. So that's hard. Well, the, it, the Lord is Lord, or that motorcycle is the Lord, or that house is the Lord. Understand how flesh works. Flesh always wants something new and different. You get, the le- you, you, you get a nice new car. It won't be but uh, hardly any time at all. And someone else will drive by with something better. And you'll, you'll be looking, thinking, this is nice. I want that one. <laughs> that's the one I need. But that's, that's just the way the flesh is. Grass is always greener somewhere else. It's always something else better. People do that with their marriages. Been married a while, but look at that one. It's a heart condition to be satisfied in what the Lord has given us. Amen. And so, again, they strayed from the faith. And the last part of that verse says, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What does this type of attitude do? When we allow materialism, covetousness, greed, love of money exist in our lives, it actually ends up hurting us. Think, this is nice. This is going to be great. And you get pierced through with many sorrows. Isn't it what, what most people want in life at the end of the day? To have a smile on their face? Isn't that what we want? But sometimes people go the wrong way to get it. Look at Luke chapter 12. Luke 12. You know, sometimes when people are getting, people in church are getting giving receipts because of the IRS stuff and how we get tax deductions for giving to nonprofits. And people at first part of the year in our church and, and all other churches, they get giving receipts from the previous year so they can have it for their tax records and so forth. Uh, sometimes I wonder, what, what, what do people think? And they see, you know, I've given X number of thousands of dollars over the year. Uh, do they think, man, I could have bought, bought a new car with that. Or I could have paid this bill off. I could have done this. Or do they think, praise God, I was able to contribute to something eternal. What's the first thought in your mind? Man, I could use that right now. Or, praise God, I, 
I was able to have a positive impact on the kingdom. Oftentimes that can reveal what's really in our hearts. And if money is starting to get a grip. Amen. Now I'd rather have too much than too little. Wouldn't you? But watch out on either end. There are people that are very poor. That love money. It's all they can think about. And there are people that are flowing in it. And that's all they think about. They're afraid of losing it. So afraid of everybody else going to take advantage of them and take it. On either end, there are extremes. And people get caught in this trap. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15... The word says, uh, then he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. How do you measure your life? What are you about? Is it your, your house, your car, your clothes, the things that you own, your bank account, your portfolio? How do you define? The Lord says, your life does not consist of those things. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plenty. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many, year, many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the solution. This is a perfect balance. What about the person who has riches? That's not actually condemned, is it? But he said, watch out for the person who does this, but they are not rich toward God. If you can remain and, uh, and grow and become rich toward God, do you know that you can, you can handle any riches that you have on this earth? It's the person that strives for more and increase. And they want to be wealthy at the expense of their relationship with God that I'm concerned about. And, and, you know, and if you, if you tell me, again, I've got these great opportunities, great business ventures, money is really flowing, I'm happy for you, thrilled. But what you need to know and but what you need to check up on is are you rich towards God? Because if you're not, that stuff will eat you up. If you're not, it'll pierce you through with many sorrows being in love with that kind of stuff. Rich towards God. That's what I want more than anything else. You want to say, do you want to be rich? Absolutely rich towards God and then everything else is fine then I don't have to deal with covetousness amen but who do you trust in in, in finishing up here this morning who, who do you trust in the great temptation of course is to trust in material things and to trust in riches Jesus dealt with a guy one time he's called the rich young ruler and remember, this guy came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? This was in the Old Covenant, of course, there in Jesus' earthly ministry. He told him to obey the commandments. And uh, the guy said, "I'm basically, you know, what else? Still something I'm missing. Jesus said, I know you are. Why don't you go sell everything you have and follow me? <laughs> Pretty strong statement, isn't it? So, so, 
Say, would the Lord ever ask, ask me to do something hard? Think for a moment. Think, think for a moment about Abraham. Remember the promise of God about he bare a son in his old age and took a lot of years. And eventually, old Abraham and old Sarah had Isaac. Isaac's growing up. Isaac's a teenager, and the Lord says, "I want him back." Remember that. Remember that great uh, test of obedience there. He said, "Sacrifice Isaac," and of course, Abraham was following through with that. The thing that was most important to him, he was willing to say, Lord, whatever you say. And of course, the Lord stopped him. But will the Lord ever ask you of something that's very valuable to you? Amen. Now, we know how God is, and he's already shown us his hand. If he asks you to give something, you know it's coming back on you. So it's not, even, it's not even fair. I mean, we, are, we have inside information here. We know that God can't help himself. And if he really asks us to give something, it's coming back. So, I mean, we almost have an unfair advantage in this. The Lord wants us to give something big or something important, so, and, and we know. Well, he can't help himself. He's going to give it back to me. He's going to give, a, give me a better one. However, we must... Be willing to say anything at any time, at any place. Whatever I have, Lord, it's yours. I'll give it to you in a second. Amen. That's a heart that's pure but unpolluted, untainted with covetousness and with the love of money. And anyway, the rich young ruler, of course, the Lord said, give everything. Come follow me. And anyone who knows Scripture knows the Lord wasn't trying to make the guy poor. Because you read on and he talks about how... People will receive many-fold return in this life when they give up stuff for the kingdom. However, this guy wouldn't do it. He said, no, he went away sorry. He went away. He couldn't give it, he couldn't give it up. He loved it. He had too much stuff. He said, I'm not willing to do that. And the Lord said in response to that, how hard is it for, for, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were astonished at that. They said, What? Who in the world can be saved then? And he said, you know, went on to say, with God all things are possible. But then the Lord clarified what he was saying. And he said, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? The rich young ruler, his problem wasn't that he had so much money. The problem was is that he was putting his trust in that money. And he wouldn't put that trust in the Lord instead. This is where we've got to have our hearts right, have our priorities straight, that we're going to trust in Him for everything. Proverbs 11:28 says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Anything we seek that takes priority over our seeking God really is, has become covetousness, which is idolatry. Let's analyze our own hearts today and make sure, that, make sure that there's nothing. And sometimes just little commitments need to be made, whether the Lord asks for something or not, whether He wants you to give something up or lay something aside or not. The commitment can be made to Him ahead of time. This is, Lord, anything I have, anything I, anything I own, anything I possess, the moment you say, I want it, or I want you to sell it or give it away. If you tell me that and I know it's you, it's done. 
That needs to be our commitment. Then you're safe. You're protected from this type of idol worship in your life, if you can honestly say that. But then let's continue as the Lord blesses us more and more. And He is no doubt going to increase you more and more and more. Stay rich towards God. Stay rich towards Him. And that's a safety net to let, not let anything in the world enter into our hearts and eventually pierce us through with many sorrows. Father, we thank You today. Thank You for Your help. Thank You for Your strength. We believe that You're leading us and directing us in the way that we should go. We believe that You're guiding us and helping us to not have any hindering thing, money, any hindering interest that gets between You and us. Lord, we thank You for Your help today. You'd not ask us of anything or even reveal these things to us if you didn't want to help us to walk closely and intimately with you at all times. So thank you, Lord, for telling it to us straight, for giving us clear, unpolluted direction. We can know what's required of us and what needs to be in our hearts to have a intimate, exclusive relationship with you. Thank you for leading us and each and every one of us in here today, directing our steps. Thank you for your provision, for prosperity, for abundance. But we thank you most of all that you're in our lives and you're in our hearts today. We value that more than anything more than anything everybody say it out loud you Lord more than anything nothing else can take your place nothing else will I allow to even come close you are my life you are my strength you are my sustenance and I will trust you every day of my life going forward Father I do pray for every person here today and I pray for those in particular who are not saved